0: Hello everyone and welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, How to Evaluate the Safety Performance of Contractors Using Lagging and Leading Indicators, sponsored by Browse. This is Alan Ferguson, Associate Editor at Safety and Health Magazine, and I am moderating today's session. Thank you all for joining us. We're going to start the presentation in a few minutes, but first I want to go over some preliminary items. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the Council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we will conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen and click the button for Submit Question. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the Q&A to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but because of the large number of participants today, we might not get to every question. Any unanswered questions will be forwarded to today's speakers. At the end of the webcast, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey. I will let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast is archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com events. Finally, if you need basic troubleshooting information, click the help button located on your screen. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Our speakers today are Pat Cunningham, Director of Safety and Auditing Services at Browse, and Dennis Robinson, Business Development Specialist at Browse. Pat has more than 25 years of experience in the safety field and was previously the Director of Corporate Safety and Training at Excel Energy. Dennis has worked with Browse for more than 10 years and previously managed the company's assessment specialist team, which is responsible for validating contractor documentation. Gentlemen, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away.
1: Thanks, Alan. appreciate that. Um, really quickly, we want to thank everyone for joining us today. We're excited to speak with you and share some information with you. Hopefully, you find it useful, but uh, definitely excited to speak with you all as well. So really, today... Uh, the question is, Is why evaluate third-party contractors? Well, simply put, why not? We do it everywhere else. You can see on your screen a few examples, whether it's purchasing a mortgage, selecting a school, hiring an employee, buying a house, buying a car, and maybe as ridiculous as it sounds, selecting a spouse. Uh, in every one of those situations, you want to ensure that you're selecting a partner that's in line with your values and somebody that you can trust and know that it's going to be a situation that you're going to feel good about and somebody that uh, you feel comfortable with. Again, whether that's a school, getting married, whatever that might be. So at the end of the day, when the question comes up as far as why evaluate third-party contractors, again, simply put, why not? We do it everywhere else. So why is it important to evaluate the safety performance of your contractors? This could be a very long-winded answer, But just to cover a few of the areas that that I feel are important to mention, and we'll go more into detail on these here later on, um, risk managing your risk as an organization, huge huge area. Brand equity, you don't want to have something happen that's going to put a black eye in your organization due to misuse or somebody just not doing what they're supposed to do. Well-being of your employees, you want to ensure that not only there are that employees feel you want to ensure that employees feel safe on site or at your work premises but also that they go home safely and that they, are, they arrive home the way that they came into work. So very important. And then also EMR rates, ensuring that you have lower EMR rates, which should result in lower workers' compensation insurance <clears throat> costs. And then also fines by OSHA. The last thing you want is to have le- fines levied on you by OSHA. Uh, just a few items to, to think about. And, again, things to consider when looking at why it's important to evaluate the The performance of your third-party contractors. When you look at implementing a contractor management solution, there really are three potential scenarios that you should consider. The first one is just to do absolutely nothing and hope for the best. Second one would be to do it in-house. And then thirdly would be to outsource it to a third-party organization. So what are the risks of doing nothing? Well, obviously there are lives at risk, but on top of those injuries, There is a financial burden and brand equity, as we spoke about previously. Really, though, no organization is immune from accidents, and it's only a matter of time before a safety incident occurs at a work site. There was a recent study done, and it estimated that for every single workplace fatality, there are at least 300,000 at risk behaviors taking place. So, if you look at it kind of like an iceberg, you only see 10%. It's everything you're not seeing that could be problematic. You know, Pat, I know given your, your previous history and, and kind of what you've done in that regard, are there any maybe standards requiring contractor prequalification?
2: Yeah, thanks, Dennis. You know, there's, there's two common questions. It boils down to two common questions that come up when, when we talk with uh, potential clients, clients or, or suppliers about contractor management. And it comes down to these two basic questions. Why do we evaluate contractors, and, and why do we collect so much data? And, and that, that, that seems to be a common thread. And, and uh, the basic answer here is that it's a, it's a risk-based assessment. You, you bring contractors in to help you provide uh, your, your products and services to the market. They're uh, a needed skill base and, and um, staffing support of your own uh, um, full-time employees. So they're needed in industry, but they do represent a risk. And and uh, you know while there is no single source document coming from OSHA in regards to a, a regulatory standard to to uh, evaluate contractors, there are examples. We don't have time today to go into it, but there's nine different OSHA standards and
0: and
2: and documents outlining OSHA's desire and, and interest in host employers engaging contractors. So. From a risk-based standard uh, standpoint and a regulatory standpoint, uh, there is a need and demand and expectation that host employers uh, evaluate their contractors. And along with, with those lines, you know, we're also asked, um, it's a common question, does it matter? Does, does it make a difference when we evaluate contractors, whether you again, whether you're doing this uh, with an in-house program on your own, or if you're using a third-party provider, is it making sense? Does it, does it, uh, does it uh, make a difference? And we're proud to report here there was an independent study done on the Browse database. You know, this is something that we've qualified for quite a few years, and, and not just Browse, but those in the industry. Uh, you know, we, we believe it makes a difference, and, and what we're happy to report today is that if we can quantify that it does make a difference to to evaluate contractors uh, looking at a structure for protocols uh, that each company might have in and in a retention process and and a platform really to or a palette to provide program vision and and so what this slide is showing you is that uh, within our database uh, we can we can demonstrate uh, independently uh, that so the total recordable rate of contractors in the browse system versus the national average is, is 34% better than, than again, industry average. Lost workday rates are, are 65% better than industry average, and the DART or the restricted time is is uh, 48% better. So I, I think this would, would probably apply across the board. Again, whether you're doing this uh, in-house or, or a managed system, you should expect some improvements when you're managing contractors to to uh, a standard. This uh, second slide from the study also shows it addresses the question: Okay, so they they perform better, but is it lasting? Is it, is it something that's sustainable? And and what this slide is showing is that the, there's a it compares the browse database to the industry average, and, and it shows that uh, browse suppliers are outpacing industry average suppliers in terms of injury and illness rates. So the while it, the injury rates are, are better, they're also exceeding the improvement averages over industry. So it does show that managing contractors doing a good job with this is, is sustainable. So again, whether you're doing this in-house or, or a managed program you can expect to to get some uh, lasting improvements over uh, your current efforts. So let's let's t- we're going to be taking a look at, as as the uh, webinar is titled, leading and in lagging indicators, and just kind of put a little uh, preface around this. You know, lagging indicators are are what Dennis made mention of, is the injury rates and and EMRs and and uh, those kinds of things, and and these are reactive. Uh, rates. These are metrics that already have taken place, and you're you're looking at the rearview mirror, mirror at, at uh, how that's been, you know, what, what transpired over the past. And, and uh, we're also going to be taking a look at leading indicators. These are the proactive indicators that, if used uh, for a given uh, uh, set of problems, can help drive a company in the direction that they're looking for. And, and what we're going to be talking about today is Companies should look at these foundational metrics, these rear-view mirror metrics, incorporate those, and then also help drive business, also add some leading indicators. And and we're going to be talking about both types today in the the upcoming slides.
1: With my partner. Wonderful. Thanks, Pat. Got it. Appreciate that. So what we're going to do here is we've come up with a fictitious example of a scenario where essentially an organization has hired a company to perform a service for them, done a review of their OSHA logs, and they appear to be a safe and qualified company. Unfortunately, they come on site and then there's an accident. So now what we want to do is we kind of want to take a step back and look at that OSHA log that we had received and maybe see if there's something else that we could have looked at, something that maybe wasn't what we thought it was, and then we'll kind of do some other backtracking as far as looking at other metrics that maybe we could have looked at and could have foreseen that there was going to be potentially an issue here with this contractor. So as you see on your screen, at initial glance, this social log shows only one total recordable case. But when we looked at those items, there should actually be one day's away from work case as well as a job transfer restriction case. So it really takes that initial Injury that looked at like it was just a total recordable, total recordable case, and now we have two injuries that are both more severe than that one initially. Now the question is, what does that really truly mean? One injury to two injuries, is that negligible? What is that? Well, let's find out. Let's maybe take a look a little bit further and see what that really truly does mean and why that should maybe raise a red flag for you as an organization. So what I have up now is this is their OSHA 300A log. And what this is going to do is it doesn't give us any more metrics in terms of looking at the accidents themselves, but what it does tell us is it tells us the industry code that this contractor works in also gives us the number of employees and number of work hours. Now where this is important is it's very important in gauging what their safety ratings are, and then we can compare them to the industry that they work in to verify where they would fall in that regard. So let's go ahead and do that. Let's take a look at their industry averages, their averages, and then compare it to the industry that they work in. I don't know how many of you have ever looked at industry averages in terms of total coral rate, loss work area, and so on. It can be a bit of a chore, but luckily we've already done that for, for this presentation. So in this situation, before we changed anything on the OSHA log, we just accepted it as being one injury, The total recordable recordable rate for this contractor was 4.8, with a lost workday rate and a DART rate of 0.0. Now, their rates after, when we add on that second injury, the total recordable rate jumps to 9.5. The lost workday rate goes to 4.8, and then the DART rate is at 9.5 as well. Now, the question is, what does that ultimately mean? Well, let's compare it to their industry average to see how they compare with the rest of their industry. Looking at the total recordable rate, the industry average is 2.6. They're almost four times as high on the total recordable rate. On their lost workday rate, the industry average is 0.9. They're five times higher than that, and their DART rate is 2.0, or the industry average is 2.0. They're almost five times worse in that regard as well. So now kind of going back in reverse and saying, We did have an OSHA log that only had one accident. Well, now we've uncovered that not only is it one accident, it's two, but their industry averages are way out of whack in terms of where they fall when compared to their peers. So now let's talk about another area that you can look at. The OSHA.gov site, I spoke a little bit earlier about comparing this to an iceberg and where there's only so much that you can see, there's a lot that you can't see. And this is an area where I feel you can do some of that as well. On the OSHA.gov site, you can check a contractor for any citations or violations that have been levied against an organization. Now, where this is really, really helpful for organizations is you might receive an OSHA log from an organization that is 100% clean. There's nothing on it. No accidents been reported, and there was nothing that needed to be reported. Well, in actuality, maybe this organization's just gotten lucky. And what this OSHA.gov site does for you is you're able to look at an organization, and see if they've had any citations, violations, or fines levied against them. And keep in mind, this isn't just for accidents. This is for anything that OSHA sees as being a potential hazard, whether it's willful or whatever that might be. But for you, what this does is this might give you that answer as far as what else is underneath that I'm not seeing. And again, it may not just be, there may not be accidents happening, but they might just be getting lucky. So a great way to uh, another great metric to look at when looking at contractor qualification. So with that, let's look at our fictitious example here and see what what the OSHA.gov site tells us for this organization. As we're looking at it, we've got six violations listed for this company. Now, they only had two injuries and initially just the one, but as we're looking at it now, we've got Six injuries listed for this, or six violations. Excuse me, listed for this organization. So again, another thing we've uncovered that raises that red flag to tell us this is maybe somebody that we want to be careful working with. Pat, maybe throw this back to you a little bit. Do you have any comments about what organizations should do as far as being prepared when OSHA comes on site when there is a question? Yeah,
2: absolutely. And and I'll I'll step back just a second Uh, regarding the uh, the injury and illness metrics. I would say that. a company, sh- a host employer, shouldn't assume that the information that they're receiving from their suppliers is is, uh, is accurate. I think as if you're doing a, a in-house system, I would I would recommend that that you do some spot checks of of uh, your suppliers to make sure that uh, the the math is adding up correctly. And um, I would have to say that uh, as a whole, I don't believe that contractors are are falsifying injury or illness rates, I think from my experience, what's taking place is that uh, their, their expertise at, at that is, is probably not as good as, as some other companies uh, if you're dealing with thousands of contractors. So a spot check would, would be uh, helpful for that. So um, again, and if you're using a managed system, you could anticipate that that'll be done for all your suppliers. But in, in regards to uh, OSHA coming on site, I can say from firsthand experience, And uh, multiple times that uh, we have had in a previous job, we have had uh, OSHA come into our our sites and and based on, uh, for this example, um, a contractor incident. And and what they'll do is they'll meet with you, the host employer, first. OSHA will come in and they'll ask you information about the the contractor. And they'll they'll, they'll first ask, uh, how did you select this contractor? And and, uh, they'll want to know. They're, what they're looking for is did you use a low-bid process or, or a simple process, or, or did you look at uh, analysis of their injury-illness rates? Did you look at their capabilities of working safely, uh, the types of things uh, that they would be doing for you? And, and was there an exchange of information and orientation and, and discussion about shared risks and, and that type of thing? And if, if, if you can't satisfy uh, all those questions, they're going to be uh, drawing a lot of attention to yourself Uh, from OSHA on that. But uh, that's what they're going to be looking for. And um, I would be prepared to anticipate that uh, for OSHA coming on site.
1: Wonderful. Thanks, Pat. Now that we've talked a little bit about OSHA and OSHA.gov and some of these other areas and metrics, let's talk about another item as far as lagging indicators that maybe you should be aware of and something you should look at for your contractors, Uh, EMR. You'll see on your screen the definition, I'll kind of read it with you here. Uh, but experience modification rate is what EMR is short for. And the definition is experience modifier or experience modification is a term used in the American insurance business and more specifically in workers compensation insurance. It is the adjustment of annual premium based on previous loss experience. So let's take a look at this organization's EMR document and let's, let's get an idea of where they're looking or where they're looking at and see if it's cause for concern. So here we have a quick view of their EMR form, and this shows that the company that we're viewing has an EMR of 1.57. Now, kind of like we talked about previously with the rates, it's just a number. What does that really truly mean? Pat, I'm going to throw this back to you. Can you maybe speak to what that 1.57 EMR means for this organization?
2: Absolutely. And, and uh, a lot of companies use EMR as, as one of their lagging indicators and again, these lagging indicators—you uh, shouldn't rely on one, but you should look at all of them and, and uh, you know, kind of trend how a supplier is doing. And, and what specifically EMR will tell you is, on the bottom right-hand corner there, you see a 1.57, and 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 what that's comparing that particular company to is their industry average. So an industry average is 1.0. So if you have a contractor with 1.5 or greater, or in this case 1.57. This is half again is, is half again higher than what the industry average is. So as a, as a host employer, I would look at this and, and say that this particular contractor is having injury and illness losses um, significantly higher than, than anticipated industry averages. So this would be a, a cause for a red flag, and, and what you would do with this is in your conversations with that supplier, Ask them about the nature of their industries. Have them explain to you uh, what was taking place that, that, that caused these uh, more expensive injuries. And, and that's the kind of thing that you take with these lagging indicators is that it's a sign for further discussion and, and uh, an explanation.
1: Wonderful. Thanks, Pat. All right. So moving on, we've talked about health and safety items. Uh, we haven't mentioned insurance. Um, that's another area that you can look at, supplier demographics, corporate social responsibility. But one area that I, that I did want to mention in a little bit more detail is financial stability of an organization. It's not an area that really gets a ton of attention, but it is something that's highly important that you look at when it comes to your contractors. We've partnered with, with Experian, and the good thing about Experian that we found is they don't just look at those big, high-end contractors. They look at the little guys as well. And so it gives you a view into – Are those contractors stable? Are they going to show up to the job tomorrow? And better yet, if something does happen down the road, are they going to be around? And kind of what I mean by that is we were speaking with a potential client, and as we were discussing this financial piece, they mentioned that, wow, this would have been great to know about because this is something that we had never looked at. But years ago, we had an HVAC unit that was installed on our property. Everything went great. There was no safety issues nothing negative in that regard at all. But months later, after they'd paid for the unit, paid for the labor and everything else, they received a lien on their property for that exact item they'd already paid for and come to find out that the contractor that had installed it and that they paid for it from ended up going bankrupt. And so now they were on the hook again. So when you're looking at contractors, you want to make sure they're safe, obviously. That's one part of it. But another part of it is, are they going to be there tomorrow, whether they're it's something that you're requiring them to do a job for you or whether down the road they could create a problem in terms of you having to pay for something again that you've already paid for. Now the question is, what about ongoing management? Contractor qualification is not just a one-time thing. It is something that evolves and changes over time. We've spoken about various data points so far, but now we run into the question that many companies ask, and that really is, how do I manage this data and how often should I track and request this data? There really is no specific answer to that to say you should collect it once every two weeks or once a month. Obviously that's based on what it is that you're collecting and when it expires or when it's up for renewal. One item that we get a lot of questions on is what sort of a burden is there when it comes to contractor qualification? Now you can see on your screen, please keep in mind this is a very conservative number when we list 12 hours per year per contractor, that is very conservative and something that I would caution, where if you're dealing with higher risk contractors, you're going to be expected to spend a lot more time in that qualification process with them. So just to kind of run through those hours, uh, you should expect to spend about an hour per year per contractor explaining your requirements, two hours answering questions specific to compliance, holding that contractor accountable, hour and a half collecting documentation, hour and a half entering data, two hours validating data, two hours monitoring data for expiration and change, and then two hours coordinating data requests with other departments for a total of 12 hours. And, again, that is a conservative number. That's probably on the end of your low-risk contractors, more high-risk folks that you're collecting more data for or that you have to do more of a deeper dive on. There really is going to be more time spent, and it could be two, three, and maybe even four times that number that we've kind of put out there for you. Pat, maybe to throw this back to you again, is there anything else that organizations should expect to spend some administrative burden on when it comes to this?
2: Yes. In addition to to what you've covered, Dennis, uh, post-employers should also budget time and and, uh, put that in their business plan for an annual contractor uh, performance evaluation conversation. Even within the, the Safety and Health magazine, there was an article previously Uh, Written about the partnership between a contractor and their host employer and and for that partnership to to, to Grow and and actually take place there needs to be conversation between the host employer and their contractors So time needs to be budgeted for that the contractor is looking for the host employer to say You know let them know how things are going what they've experienced whether it's good or bad Uh, they need some coaching and they need some 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 direction on what they need to do to make improvements so in this area, um, this is really one of the critical factors. Regardless how you manage contractors, again, either in-house or managed system, you need to talk with companies about how they're performing for you.
1: Great, thanks, Pat. So now on your screen, we get a lot of questions from folks, and you know, obviously, we do contractor qualification. But we're not telling you you need to sign up with Browse tomorrow or anything like that. We just want to encourage you to have something in place, whether that's in-house, using a third party, whatever that might be. But one thing that we have created for folks and for individuals, whether you're trying to make a change in your current process or you're just looking to potentially further your your current process, um, on the screen you'll see the link. It's Browse.com forward slash ROI. And this is a great tool for you to use that might answer those questions for you if you're not sure that you got adequate things in place to ensure that you're not leaving, leaving yourself exposed. Maybe you're spending way more money than you need to on your current program, or maybe you're not spending enough. Maybe there's so many more items that you should look at. Either way, this tool's free. We welcome anybody to use it. Again, the link is just browse.com forward slash ROI. And this, hopefully, if some of you are wondering, you know, is this something I should look at? Are we doing the right thing? This might push you in the, in the right direction and give you an answer to that question as well. So the question becomes, how do I manage this data? Um, Obviously, you could use filing cabinets, Excel spreadsheets, administrators, um, access databases, whatever that might be. There are a lot of options that you can consider. And the question becomes, what is best for you? But really, it comes down to even more so. You've got to make sure you have something in place that allows you as an organization to be proactive, not have to always be reactive. We talk about leading and lagging indicators, those lagging indicators are things that have already happened. You want to make sure you can get out in front of it and be aware of things that might be of concern uh, going forward. Pat, kind give, of given your background, do you have any comments on the complexity of managing this data and maybe what should be considered in that regard?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So data, data management is, is probably one of, the, one of the, the, the biggest challenges for a host employer. You know, I uh, working in a, a previous position, electric utility in eight states. You know, twenty-four-seven operation, and and um, but we had we had metrics that uh, protocols that, that we collected for all contractors, and and we had all of these. We had we had uh, filing cabinets uh, with information. We used spreadsheets. We had various administrators or project managers collecting information. And we have databases with, uh, uh, you know, department-only access, that type of thing. And, and so it was very difficult to collect all that information that we needed to make good decisions. Um, and we find this is, is pretty typical across uh, the board when we implement a, a new a new client. What we see is that, you know, in today's time, you know, business expertise is is ratified across various departments. There's a lot of different stakeholders involved with hiring and managing contractors. And and, and this is the tough part about contractor management. All this information needs to be visible and, and to be able to allow you to make good decisions. So, yes, we, we saw this. And and uh, think about all the metrics that you're collecting on contractors and, and you want to have access to that. So, uh, data management, is, is uh, you'll need to spend some time thinking about how to best manage that uh, moving forward.
1: Great. Thanks, Pat. So with all that being said, and, and as I mentioned before, we're not saying join Browse or whoever it might be, but we just want to make you be aware of what else is out there and what things you, can, you should consider when looking at a platform that allows you to be proactive as an organization. This, the view that you can see on your screen, this is a view of, the Browse OneView system, and it's what you can expect to see when logging in and viewing your suppliers as a Browse client. This is your dashboard to get insight into your contractors and suppliers, and it really feeds to that old adage of you can't manage what you can't measure. And even better, this offers you real-time data, and then it's also supported by mobile apps as well. I would encourage everybody out there that if you have a lot of contractors you're working with, you need to make sure that you've got technology behind your program that allows you to be on the go everybody's got their mobile phones with them nowadays and having those mobile apps or mobile access to your contractor qualification program is highly important and something that you should definitely consider in terms of the program that you put in place again whether that's in-house or utilizing a third party this screen this shows a bit of a view into a contractor scorecard keep in mind this is configurable uh, it's the, the context and then the content would be configured to the specific requirements of the client. But the nice part about this is it gives you a full breakdown of the compliance stats. It's not just a red, green, or yellow approach, but it gives you a full breakdown to say, you know, I want this contractor to be at 100%. They're red, but they're at 78% maybe. They're failing for a license or an OSHA log or whatever that might be. It ultimately, it gives you full vision, full view, full access into this contractor's qualification. And again, it allows you to um, be able to be a little more proactive on what your contractor's current standing is for you. Now, safety stats, this is a big area that that, that we, um, we get a lot of questions on, is how do you track this and, and what do you look for specifically? We've talked about some of these different items as far as looking at OSHA logs, looking at EMR and so on. And we actually had a question come through that asked, how do you ensure that organizations aren't gaming the system and aren't reporting maybe one office here and one office there? Well, this actually gives you a historical view in the safety stats. And what we found is viewing multiple years allows you to see a larger perspective of safety performance for your contractors. Now, that can be both in terms of seeing the historical trends. Is this organization trending up? Are they trending down? But another area to keep in mind and another area to think of is are they gaming the system? Are they reporting maybe corporate information one year and then different site levels in following years? We have seen that happen, unfortunately. And what what happens there is organizations say, you know what, if we're looking at um, corporate numbers this year, we're in a good spot, let's do that. Oh, you know, then the next year – Our corporate numbers aren't good. Let's report this site, and the following year maybe a different site. Seeing those numbers on a historical view, you're able to see some of those trends. And if they went from 20 employees to 3,000 employees, that should raise a red flag for you right there. And it's worth the question to the contractor to ask them why their rates changed so drastically. So at this point, we've talked a lot about lagging indicators. We've talked about total recordable rate. Um, We've talked about DART rate. EMR, lost work day rate, citations, and many other items. Obviously, there's more lagging indicators that we we could speak to. Um, but with that, Pat, do you have any maybe any more comments on the lagging indicators and how it's been valuable both here in this discussion, but also in your previous role?
2: Yep, absolutely, Dennis. You know, the uh, before we leave, lagging indicators. Um,
1: what you I think they're
2: significant. They're going to be they're going to be something that you're going to continue to collect and, and look at and evaluate in the future. Uh, these are kind of considered uh, baseball scores for contractor management. This is what uh, CEOs and, and business executives are going to be looking for. They're going to continue to look for uh, from you as a safety department. So um, what you want to do, and I think what, what Dennis did a good job of, of covering is that, that um You need to get the most out of these lagging indicators as possible, looking at history, industry comparisons, so you have a good picture, not relying on just one lagging indicator, but multiple, so you can see how companies are trending and and, um, where there may be some some red flags in their business. So um, we're going to continue seeing lagging indicators, uh, even though you go to conferences and they're going to be talking about leading indicators. uh, We're still going to Collect lagging indicators for for the future to come. So um, these are good indicators of performance. So now we're going to shift to the to the leading indicators. Again, these are the proactive, predictive metrics that companies can use uh, rather than just waiting for the the data set to, to come at the end of the year or whenever you're collecting them and say how did we do. What this uh, what the leading indicators is is uh, if you use those properly, they're saying where do we want to go and and how are we doing? How are we doing uh, in, in the realm of how, are we getting there? And uh, we'll talk about these, these leading indicators here and, and um, what they can do for you as a, as a company. And, and um, I, I think what we could say as an industry, as a safety industry, uh, what we need to do as a, a safety group is we need to, to press our companies to look at leading indicators as well. You know, um, and, and that's something that, that we should do is, is managing up in terms of um, identifying some leading indicators that might be specific to your, your particular company and, and how you can help drive a safety improvement even, even faster than what you're currently going and, and, and get that socialized and, and, and looked at when you're, when you're looking at how we're how we doing for contractor management. One of, the, one of the first things that come to mind uh, for a leading indicator is uh, written safety programs. And, and um, we shouldn't assume as a host employer that your contractors have written safety programs. You you would make that assumption that if they're going to be involved with lockout, tagout, or hazard communication, or any of these listed above here, that they have these written programs. And they may, and, and they may do a good job with it, and then again, they may not and And going back to when if OSHA comes on site and there's a contractor uh, incident involved you know they're coming in with twenty twenty hindsight they oh, they yeah. already know something negative uh, took place so uh, they're going to be coming and say well all right we we had a lockout tagout incident what uh you know what 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 can we look find about that so what you're going to be doing, if if you're looking at written programs, is you, you're really what you're finding out is do they have the ability to work safely in that particular area of of, um, of safety, and looking at those critical programs uh, right there says that uh, you know that's a hazard that you're going to expect that contractor to be involved with and 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 do the you know what did they have with a, a, a critical program and. So what we do at, at Browse for, for these programs, because it is important, um, what we will do is we work with our clients and, and ask them what are the critical programs that their contractors are involved with. We'll, we'll come up, and this is something you could do uh, yourself as, as an in-house program, identify those critical programs, what standards are, are related to it, and then the elements within that. And you can come up with a checklist question and and. That's what you can assess your contractor's supply or your contractor's written program against, and if you find deficiencies, you let them know so they can build up their programs to be compliant. One of the things that we find um, kind of interesting is that we can expect about a 50% failure rate of, of supply chain companies against these critical programs. And again, it's it's uh, you're thinking about smaller companies. They may have limited safety staff. They may may or may not have a training department. They may not have an auditing department. You know, are they keeping up with regulations? Are they assessing how 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 the training that employees are getting is it impactful when they're on the job? And and um, uh, a lot of times, more than half the times that the answer to that is no. So, uh, safety programs are are program auditing is an excellent. A leading indicator to to use to get your contractors to the next step. So we've talked about compliance in terms of you know written safety programs. Let's I what what I I feel a bit, a bit more uh, more passionate about is uh, going beyond compliance. You know because I, I my experience in, in industry was that um, we had injuries at compliant. Sites and and uh do an incident investigation and and the uh, the injury or illness had nothing to do with compliance it had had everything to do with uh management systems or or training or policy that was out of date or understanding or equipment that was was uh not on site so we need to take a look at at the things that are taking place or not taking place that are affecting safety and and um more than, more than not, it's, it's the case of the uh, beyond compliance. We've, we've learned a lesson about doing employee safety, that to, be effect, to have effective employee safety program, you need to get into engagement and training and, and hazard awareness and continuous process improvement. Unfortunately, at this point in time with contractor management, what host employers have learned about employee safety hasn't transferred over to contractor management, so we're stuck into the compliance only mode and and again as a as a profession a safety profession, we really need to do a paradigm shift in terms of utilizing what we know about employee safety and transferring that into contractor safety and, and some of the the you know the the phrases catchphrases that you'll see in in uh, conferences about moving the curve invited participation joint responsibility journey to safety excellence this is all these are all phrases to encourage companies to go beyond a compliance only approach and, and really make significant and consistent improvement over your safety programs
1: hey pat just just really quickly i wanted to ask do you have an example where a compliance-only assessment maybe didn't tell the full story.
2: Yeah. Uh, yes, they do. So we we were uh, we were auditing uh, a supplier, a, a, a well-known uh, client, uh, commissioned us to do two types of audit for this supplier. One was a, a compliance audit. And uh, we were using federal standards, we were using state standards, and we were using two consensus standards. So this was a a very granular audit that we were going to audit this supplier on. And and, uh, our host employer told us, you know, they had some issues with this contractor on site that they had to remind them about safety practices more than once. So they had some doubts about uh, this, this supplier's safety program. We also agreed to do a non-compliance audit. We were going to do a best assess a best assessment beyond compliance audit. We were we were going to look at how this contractor implemented their safety efforts and employee engagement. So we went ahead and, and uh, put this audit protocol together. And uh, to add a little pressure to this uh, audit, the uh, client came along with this uh, with us during this audit one of the attendees was a was an auditor instructor um, that did this uh instructed taught auditors safety auditing and and uh quality management so the pressure was on and uh it was it was an interesting uh, scenario so when we went ahead and did the compliance audit first the uh the supplier did a great job. They they answered all the questions without fail, and and uh, I, I looked over at the the host employer, and he kind of had a, kind of had a frown on his face. It was it was it was not matching up with what he what he thought he knew about that contractor. because so they did an excellent job with that compliance audit. So then we shifted gears and we moved into the best assessment uh, audit, and, and and went into the to the. About their safety culture, about how they engage their workforce, how they train their supervisors, what to look out for in the field, and how to coach their employees, and and right away, uh, pretty early on, we could tell that their safety program was was very surface level. They didn't engage their workforce. They didn't instruct their leaders and how to improve safety. And I looked back over at that at that uh, host employer. And then he had a little bit of a smile on his face. He he, he wasn't very outgoing in terms of, of, of trying to um, show his, his uh, poker face. But he uh, he had a, a look on his face that said, okay, now this is matching up with what I thought I believed about that contractor. And, and in my undergraduate days, I was a psychology major. And, and one of the things that we were told about was a, a phrase called cognitive dissonance. And that's where you believe you know something about something, you have some predetermined ideas, but you see something that's different than that, and and it it caused some confusion in your mind. And at that that particular point, at one point in that audit, he was a little bit off balance, but then when that other half came, um, then he was reassured that what he knew or what he believed was was accurate. So um, if we look at the moral of this story is if we look only at compliance, we're going to be missing so much information. And as a safety uh, profession, we know more about safety than than what we are delivering for contractor management. So um, we really do need to go beyond that compliance only approach to contractor management. So I've talked a lot about beyond compliance. and, And so I want to provide you with some insight into what we're recommending companies do for that. And what we're recommending is, is, uh, you'll hear a phrase, management systems. And um, there's lots of organizations that have safety safety and health management systems. There's the ANSI Z10, there's ISO 45001, and OSAS 18001, which is a uh, UK-based standard. Uh, So these are all management systems for safety and health. and, and, And these are taking... Uh, the thought that excellence and safety has to go beyond compliance and you really need to get into the culture and, and how of safety uh, and health improvement as opposed to just the what. And so what we're recommending, uh, we're recommending the OSHA um, recommended practices for safety and health uh, programs. This was something that OSHA published uh, back in October of 2016 and it took from what they knew about safety, what they knew about their VPP and and experience, and and uh, going to contractor and host employer sites, and and so they really they what I I'll, I'll give OSHA a lot of credit. You know, we we think about OSHA in terms of regulatory compliance, but what they put together in this recommended practices was the missing element. It was this was the how to do safety based on what they've seen in the field. So. OSHA put together their seven core elements that you see here. They divided safety into seven core elements. ANSI and and ISO and OSAS, they've they've come up with similar conclusions. You know, the verbiage is a little bit different. The the element numbers may be a little bit different, but it it comes down to there's more than one organization that come up with the same conclusion on how to manage safety, and and they're very similar i'm I'm kind of a visual person i i uh, I like to think of things uh, from that standpoint. so uh, that little tree that you see off to the right there, that if you will, could be considered a, a safety and health management system and And for the example here that uh, you need to look holistically at your safety program so in, in terms of uh, element number five, education and training, you know that that could be that that limb of a tree. That component is the, that safety and health. And, and so the branches could be your lesson plans that you use for training your employees. And the smaller twigs are, or uh, after the branches could be the elements of your learning objectives, uh, of your lesson plans and what you hope to accomplish. And then the leaves at the end of the tree could be your, your records or, or training or your course, course evaluations. And you can see that if you look at your safety and health system together, um, they're painting a picture to, of, of this whole tree uh, of your safety and health system. So that's a, that's a way that uh, people are looking at safety and health today is, is not these siloed uh, different programs, but uh, holistically is what are we doing in the area of safety and health? Kind of refining this a little bit further, so what we've done is, and this is something anybody can do, we put together a safety and health management system assessment, utilized, uh, you know, for that example that I, I just gave you. And, um, you, know, the, the, you know, if I asked you a question, you know, would you hire safer performing clients or contractors if you could? And, uh, you know, the simple answer would be yes. Why would not? You know, the, 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 question, the answer to that question is, is uh, yes, I would. But that's where it typically stops because a lot of uh, people don't know how to make it to the next step, you know, in, in terms of contractor management. And and some of it is resource-based. They're, they're limited uh, resources. Some might be a fear that they're going to be in some kind of a liability with OSHA for training contractors. And I can tell you what we've seen from, from OSHA is that they expect you to engage your contractors, that joint responsibility. So, um, today's time, you, you do need to engage contractors and, and let them know what you're seeing, and, and you need to provide them some mentoring. So, um, using the framework of a management system, and, and what we're again reminding uh, reminding you to that OSHA recommended practices is put together an assessment, and, and, and what that assessment's going to do is going to be the ability of that company to work safely for you, the client. You're going to look at the depth of the program. you're going to um, help identify some strengths and weaknesses of that, of that company's uh, safety and health efforts. And that's that, that scored result. It's not going to be a compliance uh, audit. It's going to be assessment. so it's going to be a, a point in time that you and that contractor can use to help identify strengths and weaknesses and that provide you with a baseline of that contractor's safety and health program. And what's even better is that it provides that contractor with, with a gap analysis of, of where their safety program is at and help them focus their limited resources on what, you know, based on the score, where they need to make the biggest impact, you know, where they're where they're struggling, and and also give them support and recognition for what they're doing well. And and this type of approach to safety. You know, that beyond compliance approach really helps all stakeholders involved because your your suppliers are looking to you for answers and suggestions. And, and uh, this is a way for you to provide some vision and guidance to your supply chain. So, this is what we've received from suppliers. You know, I've I've done safety and auditing my whole career and and, uh, internal and external and and very few times as an auditor, you're going to get received thanks for your efforts. It's it's just not that type of work that, uh, you know, people don't like to be told uh, how they've uh, come up short on certain things. So um, these are actual quotes from suppliers saying that they, they appreciated the, the gap analysis that was provided to them, and, and that takes, uh, you know, that's, that's from some, some dedication to the, to the improvement efforts uh, as a result of the, the client's and the, uh, desire for their contractors to improve. So that was very rewarding, not just for us as a, as a company, but also for that, that, that contractor that wants to make improvements doesn't really know where to go, and then we also get asked, you know, uh, what type of auditing is 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 uh, necessary and and uh, for our suppliers and the the again go back to that, um, why are you doing this? Why are you managing contractors? Why are you getting all that information? It's all risk based. So if if you have a level one contractor for for this particular uh, slide, you know, a low-risk supplier, you're really going to look at, you know, the lagging indicators. Uh, you need to look at what risk they pose to, to themselves and you as a company and, and audit them based on their risk level. So, as they move up in the risk um, charts, you need to start looking at, at additional things and in lagging indicators and start looking at some leading indicators, and I would recommend the the written programs. You know, if they're going to be Putting hands and fingers in in in, in uh, machinery, uh, they're going to need to have a lockout tagout program, and you're going to need to know that they they have one and that it is compliant and, and they have a good chance of working successfully. And and as their risk levels go up, and, and, and you have uh, frequent uh, use of this supplier, and, and want to have them be part of your your uh, products and services, and be part of your your uh, solution to to Provide your products and services to the marketplace. I would recommend these specialty audits. I would recommend the management system assessment. So you have a, a framework, talk to that contractor about how they're performing. I, I, I recall many times walking the a plant floor with a uh, plant director and, and they just didn't know what to say to contractors. And it, if you provide them an assessment that it gives them very specific information about that contractor, Then they can have meaningful conversation and good dialogue about how to improve and and how to improve that partnership, and the safety results will follow. So, uh, again, this is all based on risk, and the higher up you go, the higher the risk you go, the more detail and scrutiny you want to have for your contractors. So I think that's all we have. Uh, we'll turn it back over to the moderator to address the Q&A from, uh, from, the, from the audience.
0: All right. Thank you to our speakers for their excellent insights and expertise. Uh, before we start the Q&A, I want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey we're asking you to complete. The survey should be appearing on your screen now. Your input is important because it will help us improve our future webcast. If you do not see the evaluation survey on your screen, please turn off your pop-up blocker. You may also access the survey by clicking the survey button near the lower right part of your screen. Okay, now let's get to some questions. Our first question, with regard to management systems, what do you see as the supplier management slash procurement's role?
2: I, I can take that. So, so uh, procurement certainly is one of the, the stakeholders of a, of a host employer, and uh, they're always part of, of a of the contractor management process. So typically, what program uh, procurement supply chain uh, does is they issue terms and contracts, terms and conditions and contracts for those uh, for those suppliers who work for you. So they have a vital role uh, in in contractor management, and um, they're going to be part of that aspect. So um, They'll want to know, uh, does this company, um, who do we contact? How, how are they managing their, 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 um, the information that comes to you? And, and uh, that's the type of thing that they're going to want to know. Is their information current? Is the, you know, the contract expires. That was one of the biggest, uh, cha- another one of the biggest challenges in contractor management is response. typically they're responsible for collecting all that protocol that you've asked for and keeping it current. And and, uh, you think of thousands of contractors and, you know, maybe 15 points of uh, of protocols, all those things expire at different points in time and and they want to uh, get that in their system and and keep it current. So that's how uh, supply chain is involved.
0: Our next question, when employers focus on their contractors' a total, recordable, total recordable injury rate, I've seen contractors hide or fail to record injuries because they're afraid to lose a contract. How do you address this unforeseen side effect?
1: I'll take that one. Um, ultimately, there's nothing you can do about contractors misreporting injuries on their OSHA log, but that's why we went through those other metrics we did as far as looking at an EMR rate or looking at even the OSHA.gov site. But ultimately, you want to make sure that you are partnering with contractors that share the same vision as you do. And unfortunately, accidents do happen. And ultimately, it's important that you as an organization communicates with your contractors what that expectation is. We've had some clients that will put their contractors on on performance plans or or something where we had one, one organization we worked with that essentially told all their contractors, we're going to give everyone a pass for this year. And even if you're red... We want you, since you are red, to put a plan in place, and then let's revisit it in a year. And what that did was that really encouraged those contractors to not maybe dwell on what's happened, but to look at it moving forward and say, how do I fix what's happened? And so it really comes down to communication with those contractors and ensuring that you're telling them why you're doing what you're doing, and then you're moving forward with a plan to, uh, to improve things as well.
0: Okay, our last question, can you summarize leading indicators other than written programs?
2: Yeah, so some of the things that you can look at is, is uh, worksite observations, whether you're a host employer or, or even if you're having your contractors uh, self-report on, on uh, their field observations and what take, what's taking place. So uh, these are kinds of things that um, need to take place in the field and and you can look at trends you know are are you know how are the uh the results the observations coming uh, are they matching up with what your field safety staff is is discovering or operations versus what the the suppliers are coming up with is is it trending in the same direction are you coming up with the same kinds of things and and more importantly it's that dialogue again you've got a metric that says hey I'm telling you you know it's telling you something good or bad and and uh it allows you a chance to have a dialogue about that, and we're seeing some deficiencies. And you ask them, how, how are you addressing these deficiencies? A very simple conversation that helps uh, the suppliers make improvements, and I would always make a, a recommendation that you recognize uh, excellent befa- behavior as well or results uh, to encourage companies to keep making improvements. So these these um, observations are, are another excellent way of, of um, using a leading indicator.
0: All right. Thank you, everyone. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. I'm sorry we didn't get to everyone's questions, but all of today's unanswered questions will be forwarded to our speaker. Once again, I hope you take the time to fill out the evaluation survey on your screen to give us your feedback. That ends today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Pat Cunningham, Dennis Robinson, everyone at Browse, and, of course, all of our listeners. Have a safe day.